on the Spencer's the Pez, Goking out at the cons, Renaissance Fest, Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, Van Boys. This is the Van Boy Planet Podcast. And here's your host, a man who I'd slay zombies with. Zombie with Derek McCall. You use him as a weapon, Derek McCall. <laughs> no, we we established around the corner on the other side of the store. We were saying that Dylan would be the guy who'd say, "No, no, no, go ahead. I'll try to hold them off," and I'd be the one saying, "Yeah, go ahead, <laughs> hold them off." <laughs> He'd be Look all, at nice knowing you. See you later. Bye. He's delicious and run. Uh, yes, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting on Wednesday, August 26th from t- Elusive Comics and Games. This is the way you always know what day it is. 2725 El Camino Real Suite 104, Santa Clara, California. Sure. I, He's I, got it uh, in his I'm phone. I'm thinking about the date, and that's it. You know, where is it? And I don't know why it I'd matters. I'd be all pausing and saying, what day is this? Okay, so will you give me props that maybe one thing I know what I'm talking about? I just the did. date, yeah. I okay, just did. okay. Lay off, man. We're all sensitive. You can't take the compliment. I can't. I can't. I don't know what to do with praise. It's so rare here. Anyway, uh, so we're at Elusive Comics and Games, and of course, I'm here with uh, my sound person, with my announcer, Justin from Tahoe, Lon Sleepy Eyes Lopez, <laughs> Sleepy Eyes Lopez, and of course, our producers, and, uh, producer in Moral Compass. <laughs> Whatever you say, Wolfman Jack. This I'm, is, this it's, is, like, it's like late night radio. We're gonna try this. Like this is Rick Brettsnyder, Fanboy Planet after Pirate Radio. We're gonna try this. Uh, the Coming qu- in from over the border, the Quiet Fanboy. <laughs> All right. So uh, here at Elusive Comics, uh, Back it up. we've got some exciting stuff coming up. No, I wanted to talk about uh, next week. By the time you listen to this podcast, by the time uh, Rick has edited it, it will be up on Sunday, August 31st, uh, 30th. 30th. Right? So there will be plenty of time to mention that on Friday, September 4th, here at Elusive Comics and Games, there is a signing. An author from uh, from the local. Bay Area, a local author, Seanan McGuire. Sounds like whoever they are, they're from Ireland. They're from local. She may actually be of Irish descent. Oh, okay, good. We're in California. Everybody's from somewhere else. Because their name you. is so Shonen McGuire. So, so, Lon, she's, she's one of your people. I'm, no, I'm not Irish. You're not Irish? No. Oh. Not a little bit? Well, I am. Okay. Uh, anyway, she's written a novel. I, 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 and she's actually written several novels I know under... Uh, under pen names, doing like romance novels and so forth. This is the first one she's uh, actually or, uh, proud of. Put her name on. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, but this is in the fantasy field where I know she feels most comfortable and interested because she's also an award-winning filk singer, ah. which is weird for Lon to hear. But uh, so she's and she has uh-huh. a filk group. So not only is there a signing, but the filk combo, the filk I group, missed that at the Tonys. Will be coming. Uh, I don't think it's part of the Tonys. No. no. Wait, isn't filk that like nerdy music they always play at Bake Bacon or whatever? Yes. Yes. Filk oh, is basically common, commonly known songs with lyrics written around. So what we're going to do, Lon, things. is we're going to send you as you're our representative because you're already uh, so clearly um, enmeshed, in, 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 ingratiating yourself to the community with mm-hmm. this podcast. So I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Lawn covers bacon. <laughs> Lawn sitting in the background. You guys take requests because you guys are shut gonna... up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so the novel is called uh, Rosemary and Rue, and it's billed as an October Day D A Y E novel, not to be confused with the yummy Felicia Day. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, an October Day novel. So I'm going to say it's the here. It is the start of a brand new series from a new and original voice in urban fantasy. October, Toby Day, a changeling who is half human and half fae, has been an outsider from birth after getting burned by both sides of her heritage. And Lon does know what that's about. Toby has denied the fairy world, retreating to a normal life. Unfortunately for her, the fairy world has other ideas. The murder of Countess Evening Winter Rose pulls Toby back into the fae world. She tried to get out, but they kept pulling her back back in. in. Uh, Yes, a... I may have to ask you to edit out that whole thing about she wrote wrote under a pen name because Rosemary and Rue is her first novel. Uh, Toby must <laughs> resume her former position as knight errant and renew old alliances. As she steps back into Fae society, dealing with a cast of characters not entirely good or evil, she realizes more than her own life will be forfeited if she cannot find Evening's Killer. Uh, Sounds like True Blood. No, I'm kidding. No, but with fairies. Um, oh, fairy blood. There we go. Uh, anyway, but it's a, it's a good cover. I like the co- uh, which isn't to say much because uh, covers you, you can't really judge a book by the. You know, cover, I but think that the the genre and the 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 time is right for a sexy fairy novel. What do you think? Um, I think that the time is right because it's there. I don't think that this. I is, hope I'm not misunderstanding you. I don't think that um, sexy fairies. What's to I, misunderstand? I don't think that urban fantasy. If, if that's what this is, really is a new genre. Uh, I don't think that they're... Uh, I don't mean in this is a new genre. I mean... No, no, no. But it all think, falls under paranormal romance. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, which has been a subsection. Truly, paranormal romance oh. has been a subsection for at least a, at least five years. So, like, ghost-loving? Is that what you're saying? They have everything. They have that's zombies. Sick, man. They have zombie now, and they have always have vampires. And really, and if you get far enough into the Charlene Harris, Sookie Stackhouse novels, which True Blood is based upon, mm-hmm. um, there's far, obviously, you've seen from True Blood already, there are far more than vampires going on in this there. This is true. Uh, I might even hesitate. No, I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to say the fairy are involved in True Blood in ways really? that you will uh, not see coming. Interesting. So, But they're already there. So. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Well, there goes another thing that I thought was that cool you were, that and you were not late cool to the, anymore. So. Well, no, it's, it's, I'm sure it's cool, Lon, if you've discovered it. Give it a it. chance. Don't let it spoil it. No, I just think like it'd be kind of hot, you know, two little fairies buzzing around, getting it on. I think that's just cool. I don't know. It's just me. That's what I'm saying. You Bring just, it on. You just Bring sort of described on. like Tinkerbell porn, and I, exactly. I'm horrified by exactly. you. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, but uh, if you want to get it on with Tinkerbell, oh. clap your hands. Hey, it's a remake of Darby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> <laughs> it was a love like no other. Anyway, Sean McGuire is coming to sign <laughs> September fourth. And come on a, down, bring your books. It's a, good, it's a good thing I'm unable to make it because I think we've pretty much burned any bridge we might have had towards talking to Sean McGuire. With this, it's, no, it's going to be filk performance. It'll too, be a right? filk performance. Yes. Okay. I did mention that. So, just but you're tired tonight, so I'm going to give you a break. I just wasn't sure if it was, was clear. Saying. That's. I mean, I heard it. You said she was a filk performer, and I said her band is performing. Oh, okay. You just, just didn't listen because. You said you a got, lot. You got distracted you by a piece of candy. A lot of words. All right. Let's uh, talk into comics because this is a comic book shop. Yep. The big thing uh, is that Rick, 
uh, downloaded, bought, downloaded the first official motion comic from Marvel Comics, Spider-Woman Agent of Sword. Is that right? Sword. Sword. It's an acronym. Yes. Sword. And it's, it's just basically the sword is already in the Marvel. Well, Sword um, was created by Joss Whedon for Astonishing X-Men. Right. And so they're ba- basically it's the agency that watches out for para- for extraterrestrial things. Mm-hmm. They, they're like Space they're the ones, Shield, right? They're the ones that drop the ball. In fact, they mention in this that they drop the ball with respect to the Skrull invasion. Yes. Well, um, what good are they then? Yeah. Not very. Mm-hmm. No. Um, oddly enough, uh, this one starts off very much like uh, the beginning of Apocalypse Now with Spider Woman, who is now who now is this is Jessica she's listening Drew. to the doors and and you can put the doors mirrors. on in the background of this, and it's just right at home. She's she's in a hotel room. Smoking. She's in a hotel room commi- considering suicide with her own spider sting. Um, Ouch. And she's upset because, well, she was off with the scrolls for so long, and, mm-hmm. and basically her reputation's and trashed. In fact, not a lot of people know this, but the writing of this book had to be suspended for two months when she had a heart attack and had, was in, in Manila. So That's an apocalypse now Yeah, that is, it is okay. indeed an apocalypse Martin now. Martin Sheen had a heart attack? Yes, he did. Crazy. So, uh, <laughs> wow, this is getting very meta. Uh, so anyway, the, Getting. the the whole thing about this book, of course, is that it's been done for motion comic. And we're going to talk about what the hell that means because if you go back, and I know you do, to the afternoon cartoon series with the, the Hulk, mighty, the the mighty Hulk Iron Man, uh, To be fair, I do not go back to the original run of those. You, I did watch them in... in in reruns. In the early 70s, okay. yes. So I watched them after school. And mm-hmm. and basically, even then you go, hey, somebody just basically cut out the figures and they're moving around on the screen. Well, and, and, and they added lame special effects. In fact, they had like sound, um, the sound effects on the panel page in the on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yes, I um, do recall that. So it was those just, were the first motion comics. Those were the fir- those were arguably the first motion comics, and so you'd say, okay, let's bring this into the 21st century. What's going to be different about it? Well, we've seen we've seen what DC does with it. We've seen the Watchmen stuff, where there's a lot of stuff that's been and there's animated, a lo- and there's a lot more coming from DC as well. And there are limbs that move. And I've actually the uh, I watched. I haven't watched all the way through, but I had thanks to a Comic Con promo. I have downloaded Red Sun. Superman Red Sun. Oh, you did download which, the first which chapter. Is a, which is another motion comic, which is done a lot like the Watchmen style. And different parts of the panel are animated, and they actually move the bodies around as if they were jointed. Um, the heads will... There's a there's a scene where there's a waitress standing there with a tray on her wrist, and the tray's moving back and forth a little bit as if she's keeping it balanced. They did stuff like that in the DC books. They didn't come close to that in the Spider. You are Spider-Man. kidding me! No, it's almost all static. There's n- there's n- no lip movement. They they basically um, move people through panels statically. There's there's a little bit of light animation, like with the spider sting um, that she has. You know, her her she's got some kind of bioelectric shock that she can throw. The most animated thing in this whole thing is the background. A large part of this, 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes, a dollar for 10 minutes. And a large part of that 10 minutes, well, let's let's break it down a little bit. There is about a minute and 15 seconds worth of credits at the beginning and the, and the end. A minute and 15 seconds? Out of 10. Wow. 
And so because you've got – apparently you've got a lot of people working on all the voice actors. That's get, like a get tenth. credit for it and then you get the animators. There's a lot of it takes place uh, on a bus where the the head of sword is recruiting Jessica Drew. And they're basically – you basically go back and forth between shots of them and they move the figures around a little bit. But the background, stuff going by the windows – in the bus is more it's much more animated it's lit up from behind and you can see that the bus is moving you can't see that these people are moving at all okay now i and i, I do want to go back and say now dc and marvel aren't the only ones in the game so right and as we've talked about before the company that i that i was uh, working for for a while catastrophic comics yep. and sparks uh, which i was fairly impressed by sparks although i'm going to say that I still have the same issue that I think a lot of people are growing with is, is how, how is a motion comic different from a poorly animated cartoon? Sparks, to me, was the best of what I had seen in that. What do you think? I think the best I've seen is still the preview for The Astonishing X-Men. But I'm not going to count that because that was a preview. Well, I'm disappointed okay. to hear what you're saying about Spider-Woman because my understanding, I could be I wrong. I wasn't blown away by Sparks. I, I liked it. It was It was in the top tier. But I think that there's a couple things about these. So first off, you you know that I've also been reading digital comics online. And yes. So you've been yes. you've been saying that the rejoinder to my comment is that these digital comics are written for are constructed to be online items. These digital comics are nothing more than movies. They're animated. The, I mean, the digital, the online comics, the the uh, Spider Woman, what they're calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the digital comic books, the reproduced comic books that you can page through, actually when you blow them up, you see more detail. You can see more stuff in the panels than you can. When you blow this up, things just get fuzzy. It's just a movie. So there's not there's not that. I'll give Marvel that on. I mean, I've had, I have my differences. I'm going to do a full review of the, of the Marvel digital universe, whatever, mm-hmm. the Marvel DCU. Digital Comics Unlimited. Um, but... I was really, really disappointed. In well, see, here's, what, here's where my disappointment comes, sight unseen, hearing your reaction when I believe that Neil Adams was the one who whose studio is working on these these motion comics. Yeah. And so I... I thought he was working on the X-Men one. I thought he was working on both. I, okay. And I, that's why I say, I may be wrong, and if someone wants to correct me, is able to correct me, please do. Uh, I'm at editor at fanboyplanet.com. As anyone knows, certainly if you've listened to my Dave Tishman interview, um, I get things wrong. And that's okay. I'm man enough to admit it. But uh, it's still disappointing to hear because this is a big, you know, obviously it's a big deal and a big experiment for Marvel. Spider-Woman's a character they're claiming people have been clamoring for for a long time. Brian Michael Bendis has been clamoring to write this book for a long time. And in a few months, this motion comic will be released as a regular hard copy Static book, and this is going to be a not fine to be confused comic. with the book. Static. This is going to be a fine comic. Okay, ben, the Bendis writing is good. I, I, my complaint is there's no reason to have made this a digital comic. They didn't make any. any make it a motion comic. Don't call it a digital a comic. Motion comic. It's it it's it's very static for a motion comic, and I don't really know that anyone is is out there defining what a motion comic is. Other than, other than how do you differentiate that from an animated series? Especially if you're going to if you're going to go ahead and give like voice actor credit and and mm-hmm. all it's an stuff. interesting point. And you don't have you don't have the kind of control of paging through it as you do in a regular comic. It just goes if you if you get up and walk away. It's it still is going. A, it is a different 
Yeah, and that's why it's like a cartoon. It is a different art form. Yeah. Um, and it's going to have different things. Now, when I was talking about the, the material Marvel is creating online as a digital comic, my assumption would be that they're still guiding your eyes somehow, that the panel layout is meant for a different – for a screen instead of the page of, of, a, of a comic book. Uh, and I think mean, that's the problem when I see even people trying to attempt like to duplicate them as PDFs. You know, they're not they're, – they don't work in that well for, for digest size and so forth. Yeah. But, um, it's kind of interesting too. The, uh, we've talked about the fact that every time Marvel introduces a new comic, there is either an appearance by Wolverine or Spider-Man in this. And I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a lot. They're both there. <laughs> in in a way, they're both in this book. There's 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 definitely the influence. Uh, she mentions Wolverine about six times in her in her monologue, mm-hmm. and then Spider-Man actually shows up. Or does he? Well, they've been on the event. They were on the Avengers together. Well, yeah, I, I won't, that. but I'm not going to spoil it. The um, and of course, the other thing that Marvel does whenever that you're going to take. Well, I don't know how often they've done this. When they when they spun Wolverine off into his own book, they they took he took him off the mod report. Right? This was like some yeah. faked out East Asian country where everything's. Right. So what do they do with Spider Woman? She's off in mod report. That's where she is in, in this well, book. Well, sure. So. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm flashing back, and it's not good. Anyway, the, <laughs> uh, so uh, I cannot recommend that anyone spend their money on this. Wait, wow. Wait for the paperback. Okay, uh, uh, the, for the hard copy. Yeah. And where you can spend $4 for it instead of $1. No, it's, it's a dollar every 10 minutes. Right, but so four dollars for six one episodes, issue. It's six six bucks. Six bucks, as opposed to the comic book, will be there wasn't four enough bu- content in this thing for a whole comic. I beg to differ, oh, sir. Oh my god! Oh my! Changing god. everything about all the positives you were saying now, isn't it? No, it's not. Okay, I don't. If they stretch this out to one comic book, that's sad. Okay, um, I'm gonna this. You want let's let's stay on Marvel for a moment because you also uh, knew something about uh, saw something that I did not. Except I'm sure that I'll have two cents to put in here, not not three ninety nine, about the Marvel Clone Saga retcon. Yes, tell me what you're talking about, Rick Brettschneider. Okay, and Lon, so you might want to pay attention to this. You I'm, might have an opinion. I'm listening. I've heard a little bit about this, just uh, partially from some other podcasts, but also um, I, uh, I don't reading, like reading online. You're listening to other podcasts. I listen to other podcasts. Bag. You're cheating on us. I know. I'm stealing from them. Oh, okay. Um, well, all right. As long as it's making us stronger. So, <laughs> so apparently. Apparently now we're hearing that the original okay one of the one of the worst things to happen in the nineties was that people will, real, will agree on in in comics was the Clone Saga yes the whole idea that Spider Man had to go through these a couple of years I think it was where he thought he couldn't be convinced that he wasn't a clone there were actually two Spider Men running, running around. And one of them. Uh, See now, you made it sound like he was Jewish. Spider Man. Spider Man. Well, when you say Spider Men, <coughs> it feels weird to slow down. Spider Men running mm-hmm. around. One of which was uh, Peter ben Parker, Riley. who took the name Ben Riley, and the other one actually turned out. Now I had clone. heard. I had heard that Ben Riley was coming back, and I didn't know why. Yeah. Although he died but, a hero. Let me but, say that he died a hero. I don't remember who wrote that series, but apparently, what we're hearing now is that. The story they told was not the story that the writers wanted to tell, that there had been a lot of pressure 
from the editorial staff at that time. Maybe they distended it. I'm not exactly sure on what what happened to the to the story as far as what they what they originally wanted to do. But this new miniseries, I'm not sure if it's four or six issues, is supposedly the story they originally wanted to tell. So <clears throat> now that now that Mephisto. You almost yeah. just kind of, you had to hold back the, the puke there. For I a almost vomited in my mouth. Mm. Now that Mephisto is undone, Mary Jane's and Peter's marriage. But uh, the, the... So what I'm asking, wait, let me finish okay. the question, is does this mean that, that you can do this rewrite and say, this is the new reality? Forgive me for not knowing Has this. Mephisto become Marvel's crisis? No, 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 no. No, I, Mephisto's become sure. Marvel's new editor. Wasn't the Clone Saga before they got married? No. No, no it was no. after? No, because when the Clone Saga initially ended and Ben Riley was going to take over as Spidey, as Spidey uh-huh. Peter Parker and Mary Jane moved to Oregon. He became a research scientist at a lab in Oregon, okay. and they had already been married. And in the Clone Saga actually... One of the things with the Clone Saga was, I think, that was when Aunt May died. And it was revealed that she was an actress posing as Aunt May. Oh. I don't know yeah, if that, that was, was connected. Afterwards. That wasn't uh, connected. Well, I think it was clone, around the same yeah, It time. was all connected because it turned out that the one behind all of it was Norman Osborn. That was the way they just went, um, you don't like the Clone Saga? Well, blah, 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 blah. Look, Norman Osborn's back. Look over here, shiny object. And <laughs> but that went, was when they reintroduced Osborn, wasn't that's it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, but the, the thing was, all, the, all along... He had been behind it, mm-hmm. manipulating everything, okay. and that included the dead Aunt May. Mm. Well, now who is now? By the way, we've all missed this. She married J. Jonah Jameson's father, and yeah. J. Jonah Jameson is, now, is so now the mayor of New York City. Is that yep. correct? Uh, I'm a little behind on the issues, but I think so. Okay. Well, so um, this is not in the the standard Amazing Spider-Man numbering. It's a separate number. No, I understand that. But and I wouldn't be at all surprised if this is going to do like uh, X-Men Forever and just be a separate pocket universe story. Well, I'll tell you, they have been making money hand over fist with X-Men Forever. Apparently, that's been selling very well for yeah. them. So, so, I don't even know what X-Men Forever is. Uh, you don't have to tell me. It's fine. Just saying. Well, for the other people. I'm going to tell you. For the other people. Oh. Well, that, I mean, if it's making money... Long, they already know. I'm That's just not true. Chris Claremont is getting to basically tell the X-Men stories he was going to if editorial hadn't fired him? interfered with him. Fired him at one point. That's true. Right. Taken off the book and forced him into the English but, I Excalibur. Mean, isn't this? Isn't there always a Chris Claremont's going to write the X-Stories story that comes out every five, six years? Right, exactly. But now this this, this basically is taking it out of continuity. It's, mm-hmm. it's his own little universe. And it's like one of the first things he did was to kill Wolverine. Wolverine... Mm-hmm. You know, it was left with just the antimantium skeleton, and so he's obviously dead until they figure out how he comes back. They can't kill Wolverine. Um, who knows? Sure, they can. Not um, even Kitty Pride. Not even Fox can kill Wolverine. Kitty Pride has one of Wolverine. DVD comes out September eighteenth. Kitty Pride has one of Wolverine's blades that can come out of her wrist. That's and Claremont just needs to hang it up, find a new franchise. He did really good back in the day. We all loved it. And he did really well. Move Actually, on. Actually, I like the story. Move on. So. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, look, let's face, face it, comic fandom is certainly a lot of old guys like, like Rick and myself, not you, and we, we go back and that's comfort food. Yeah. You want, you want Chris Claremont on the X-Men and to be living those old days. And uh, since we're really the people spending money on comics. I'm just saying though, it's like, 
They but got, for the last few years, he's always came, Claremont's taking over the X Men again. It's all exciting. It's all good. And you read a few issues, and you're like, I don't. I think Claremont's done. You know what I mean? So, oh, I, I, I do agree with that opinion as well. But what I see is if they're selling telling them that's fine. So give it a shot. It. I mean, that's fine. What yeah. I think is funny about this whole thing is that Marvel used to really pride themselves on. They didn't need to do reboots. They didn't need to do resets. There was the whole thing. They didn't do a crisis. They didn't do a zero hour. Yeah. And, here, and they're finding day. and they're finding excuses to do it without saying that they're doing that, you know. And yet, I think something about the crossovers. I want to say, uh, have you caught up on Blackest Night? I'm did, a little behind. Did you read the second issue of Blackest Night? Yes, I, I did. did. And so I said, like the thing that I absolutely loved in Blackest Night was a Black Lantern pariah showing up. Mm-hmm. Was just such a nice. Why? Holy crap! Because. Because it was such an out of there, out there character. It was such. It was such in the nature of the character and in the nature of the crossover crises that Pariah, he's the one that comes to warn everybody or something. He like comes that? to warn right. when when something really bad is going to happen. But he was killed in Infinite Crisis. Didn't so, like tweets? Not tweets. Skeets killed him. Skeets, skeets killed him. Yeah, I think so. Like, okay. In that great fifty-two moment, so be a zombie skeets. Oh no, that was Wave oh, no, Rider. One there, because skeets took the gold from somebody when he killed him. It's going to be a zombie. Mr. No, that would be Worm. Wave Rider. You're wave right. Rider, yeah. Mr. But I think Mind. he killed Prime too. Again, really enjoy, enjoying that, but there it is, because they've got yeah. a long legacy of these reboots, and there's a character like Pariah who knows what reality looked like before, what reality looked like after. And I want to say, here's the thing for people. I'm going to listen to Rich Johnson put this on his site, and I'm going to go with this. That apparently last weekend or two weekends ago at the Chicago Comic Con, uh-huh. someone asked Jeff Johns, or Dan DiDio, I think, directly, um, what the what I consider the obscure Green Lantern villain Necron had to do with the Blackest Night. And Jeff Johns, as he often does, you've seen, kind of grabbed the microphone and went, I can't talk about that. Yeah. So, if you are still a speculator and an investor in comics, Necron is a villain who showed up in the first Tales of the Green Lantern Corps miniseries in the late 70s, drawn by Joe Staten. And uh, and it's weird because I, I think I actually have those issues I know somewhere. I have those issues. Or at least have a little digest. I'm a big Joe Staten fan. And it was a great miniseries. I remember buying them at 7 Eleven and thinking, this is really cool. But Necron is a Lord of the Dead from, a, from another. An antimatter universe, hmm. hmm, who's dedicated to the destruction of all life, and starts with the Green Lantern Corps almost every time he's tried to break through. And they're saying that obviously there is some big mastermind behind the Blackest Night. That's such a Warren Ellis thing to do. I'm just saying, if you are a speculator, and apparently these that that original miniseries is still really cheap on the back issues. Yeah, get it because if the Blackest Night turns out to be the work of Necron, then... And if it doesn't, you still got some you great still, Joe Stanton still, artwork. You've got some great Joe Staten artwork. You've got a, actually Staten. a really good story. Because I, I, it's, one of the, it's one of those moments I can still remember the antimatter Green Lantern, the, the, the little brain damage guy, Tylo, who was like a servant to Necron that they gave the ring and they let him take, do this one last night. And it's like, and it was one of those like well-written moments that people kind of overlook. It was like, and it was the first time that I ever thought... The Green Lantern Corps is really cool. Yeah. And I wanted a book. And then they gave me a book. And, <gasps> I, didn't want, and then I didn't want that book. But I loved that miniseries. <laughs> so it's funny because I'm buying all the Blackest Night stuff mm-hmm. except for Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, I'm not buying Green Lantern Corps either. Uh, but uh, 
because I don't think anything important. Remind all the others. Yeah, and, and I got to say that this is the first big crossover event in a long time where I've done. And I always went to Steven and I said, "Just put it. If it says Blackest Night on it, That's put it in I my said. box." I, I said because I can't believe because I can't believe that I've said. I don't. I, I'm not going to buy any of the crossovers. I don't need to buy any of the crossovers. And I'm going. I got to buy all the crossovers because I've enjoyed everyone. Blackest Night Superman last week. But you know, what I like about the crossovers. Tell me what you're liking about the They're crossovers. They're separately numbered. Yes, the three issue miniseries crossovers, mm-hmm. and that's fine because if I don't, if I want to ignore this, I mm-hmm. don't have to buy them. Right, I'm not confused into buying something exactly. else accidentally. That's true. Although DC is going to work very hard for us, as you may have noticed in November they've uh, apparently changed the thing. We met, forgot to mention this last week. If you picked up a Blackest Night number one and got yourself a Black Lantern ring, DC has decided that just in time for Christmas, you can get. All the different core rings, uh, depending on which book you buy. In other words, you buy a book, you get a ring. Absolutely, and you get it. And Over there's a all different the colors color in with the each of the, in the each of the books. I would say most of them are books that people would probably be into anyway. Like one of there were only three on that list that I wouldn't have normally. There's bought. like Adventure Comics. That's the new one. That's the relaunching of Superboy. I would so have bought that. and it has Legion of Superheroes in it. So people are probably digging that. Yeah. I, I unfortunately haven't had a chance to pick that one up yet. Right. Um, the only one that I thought was a real surprise because one was Metal Men uh, or I Doom Patrol. That. One was I the Doom Patrol. You know what? I'm just going to say this to DC now. You can go ahead and flip those features, whether it's Metal Men or Doom Patrol for month after month. I will be picking up that book regardless. So, and I think that's what they should do. They should reverse the length of the story so you get like a 24-page oh, so yeah, Metal Men story and then an 8-page Doom Patrol backup. And then we'll flip back and forth. But yeah. anyway, so uh, Doom Patrol is one of the books. And the only one that, on that list that brilliant. I thought, like, I, I've forgotten they were even publishing – was uh, Rebels, the revival of the Rebels right, book. Right, with, right, you know, So I forgot that they had relaunched that this year. But I said, go ahead, put it on there, because I, if I've got... That was one that I probably wouldn't have got. If I've got six rings, I, I yeah, guess gotta I've got to have eight. How many fingers you got? <laughs> I have eight. Good. And two thumbs. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, anyway. How uh, many rings does the Mandarin have? Eight or ten? You're the Iron Man fan, Lon. Yes. What? How many rings does the Mandarin have? I just I thought a full hand. I thought it was five. I thought, or no, it was ten. You're right. It is both hands. On, okay. Is it both hands? I think it's both. It hands. is on both hands. Because we were watching, uh, we were watching Iron Man this weekend, and I said to Justin, "That guy's the Mandarin," and he said, "Nah, that that guy's not the Mandarin." And then he watched. He, he I were left, and he was watching. He came back and said, "Yeah, they said it was then." You know, well, no, they well, don't have part of the Mandarin. In no, the he's movie. Part, of the part of the Mandarin organization. Mandarin. Right. 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 Yeah. Although that actor does believe that, yes, he's going to be back in Iron Man 3 as, yeah. as the Mandarin. Mandarin. So, no, he's not. Yes, he has said that, that he, think, that he thinks that's he where they're thinks? headed. I think no. he'd be fine. He would look like... I, and I like him. and Because he, yeah. he was, the, he was the, the first captain of the Farragut in the, in the Star Trek movie. One who gets he's a really, right. good, a really right. good actor. Yep. You know? And I'm like, I want to see more of that guy. I'd like to see him do more than just look vaguely menacing i'd like him to be somewhat clever and deep because yep. uh, he's capable of it i really liked him in that i want to say in dc that another rumor kind of floating around is that they're going to get a new boss uh so and let me qualify it's not that dan say, not that dan didio is leaving not that paul don't levitz, worry dan don't worry paul yeah uh not that paul levitz is leaving but at, from within the warner brothers organization there's someone that those men answer to that uh over at D, over at warner brothers david bowie david bowie is going to be the secret um Listen to that interview. I got to transcribe that someday before November. Um, 
Unless someone wants to donate to PayPal so I can get that Dragon software so I can uh, tra- just automatically transcribe my interviews so they can be in print, I would love that. Uh, anyway, a woman named Diane Nelson is rumored. She's currently in charge of the DC oh, universe. Oh, Diane Chambers. That's who it was. That's who you're thinking of. That's on Cheers. She, no. looks, like, she looks a little bit like uh, – She's a very attractive executive. Yeah. She's powerful and can buy and sell us, so let's be respectful on the air. Uh, anyway, buy me. Please <laughs> sell me. Um, <laughs> wow. This is going to be the first podcast in history that like, maybe Lawn is not edited at all, and it's just going to be you <laughs> editing yourself. <laughs> what? What? Anyway, Diane Nelson, uh, is she's currently in charge of the DC Universe films, uh, the, DV- the DVDs. So she's the one kind of pushing with the uh, higher brass at Warner Brothers saying that this was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one in my – And it was. And it was. And that's that's one I'm going to give her. Uh, the other thing is is apparently she was the one who brokered the deal between Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling. So she is very good at making um, – Profit. Not just profit, <laughs> but making people that are persnickety artists happy. Ah. Uh. Okay. So she really is from a kind of none of those in comics. Uh, creative, uh, happy, happy artists. Uh, persnickety. What artists. are you saying? Persnickety artists? Really? Uh, there's nothing but. Okay, I get it. I get it. You're being facetious. Irony. Irony. Uh, so apparently, if, if she goes in, that would be good. And one of the things is that if she's already got a good relationship with J.K. Rowling, some people, and I'm sure DC would love to see it. Could you maybe could finally see a Harry Potter comic book? Or what I really liked, and it's not going to happen. But boy, Tim Hunter versus Harry Potter finally. Ooh. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> one night only. One issue only. Two boys then. enter. <laughs> one, one boy, boy leaves. leaves a man. Uh, but I'd be in favor of that. That'd be a, a person that uh, clearly has artists in mind and understands fans. It's good that you're in favor of it because it doesn't matter. Anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, look, if we're not here to put our own opinion on it, That's why are true. we here, Rick? That's true. Please, we. We're plus Are you telling me that what we're doing plus doesn't one matter? On the, uh, on the because if you're telling me that what we're doing doesn't matter, then the entire internet is about to disappear. Uh, <laughs> all right, so that 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 would be very cool. Um, then I wanted to talk just just very briefly because I did read this once again to tout that unknown soldier trade paperback. I read those first six, six issues, issues, haunted house, and you hadn't read them all before. I had read, read the, the first, first couple one. of issues and I fell behind and I went, you know, I'm just going to buy this. Buy this, this is the book paperback. that I've been raving about all yeah, absolutely. year. And and you know what, Rick, you're not crazy. I know you don't no. hear that enough. Yep. Um, that I again the feeling I'd had from reading it, the feeling I'd had from talking to Josh Dysart. This is comics at their most important. Is I hate to, you know, it's weird and pretentious to say, but it really is. I think there are people that are going to be exposed to something about our recent past. There's so much anguish and strange tension in that book that you've never experienced before. The whole business about children with guns threatening you. Do you can and you, you know just, it's real. Can you just fight back from well, them? And the, and the movie Blood Diamond had covered some of this. And you know, you know it's still going on. And it's, it's horrific. And the thing that I, I have to correct what I said last week about it, and I think one of the reasons I want to bring it back is it does tie into the original Unknown Soldier. And I hadn't realized it because I hadn't read far enough in okay. to catch there are two actual appearances by the original Unknown Soldier in this book. I've missed those. I will explain them to you off the air. Okay. But uh, <laughs> they are there, and I don't know how it connects further. I'll show Yeah, but we won't yeah. stop it for this. But I don't know how it's going to connect further because now I'm – you know, I, I will go back and buy you know, those back issues, but uh, for seven and forward. But I just think again. I think Joss had, Joss had said that uh, there was there was a connection, connection. but and so you caught it. 
but again, I want to just stress people. One, kudos to DC Vertigo for making this an affordable collection. Because now people are going to buy this, and, and as, as you often do, buy a reading copy and yeah. give it away. This is important work, people. And oh, I don't give it away. I loan it. Loan it. I'm sorry. It's not often that you can really say that, especially a book from from Vertigo, which is known for its horror, whatever, that this is really important work. Right. And so I, I just can't say it again. Buy it. Yeah. Great bargain. Ten bucks. Great read. And just, just wow. I was really moved by it. Really horrified by it. Yep. Worse because I know that it's all true it, or true-ish. True does it enough. Have, what issue does it end on? Five or six? six. It so ends it's the on first six. six issues. Okay. Boom. I mean, it. Just, and six was the standalone ep- no, issue? Or no, I think seven, seven? Was the, seven was the okay. standalone. So the launch of a new one. So there we go. And uh, then a, a different relaunch, let's say. Uh, Boom Studios got the rights to 28 Days Later. And so the first issue of 28 Days Later, which I don't think is an adaptation, written by Michael Allen Nelson. I have it right here. I shouldn't yeah. be speculating. Written by – Three different covers. Michael Allen Nelson, who uh, was you – know, by great people, Tim Bradstreet, Sean Phillips, and then an artist, and I think that's the one I have, actually. No, I have Sean Phillips cover. Yeah, I got the Bradstreet one. Okay. I mean, and then, uh, uh, to me, a relative newcomer, Brett Weldell, but uh, they all looked good. All those yeah. covers look good to me. Written by Michael Allen Nelson, who is one of the co-founders of Boom Studios. Um, but I do want to say, in comics, there's a big tendency to kind of rewrite recent history and to say whatever we say now. This is not the first time that 28 Days Later has been adapted to comics. The previous time was Fox Atomic. I want to say Fox tried to have their own imprint, imprint called Fox Atomic Comics, which was dealing with more horror genre comic books. I don't know what happened to their experiment. But Lon, do you remember this when Fox Atomic was big at Comic Con, like three or four years ago? Yeah, I don't. Do you remember they had a huge booth? Didn't they and- go under when they tried? Like, remember when the Revenge of the Nerds remake was supposed to come out, and then they. Just, ah, they went under because they just ran out of money or something like well, that? Well, I think, yeah, they tried to do it themselves at a time <laughs> when comic sales have been kind of down. Uh, this was this trade paperback was released through HarperCollins, but uh, so it was 28 Days Later, The Aftermath was written by Steve Nelson. Uh, Steve Nelson. Steve, Steve Niles. Niles. Steve Nelson is someone we know, and I'm sure he'd love to have written this book. Yeah. But Steve Niles. Um, and so this trade paperback is still available. I, I don't know what happened to the company, except I could just say that a lot of... They were probably just an indie arm of Fox, Fox and then yeah. they just and probably Fox consolidated their other things. Now, the interesting thing, and I should go, but this goes back to the Diane Nelson thing about about Warner Brothers. Is you know that Warner Brothers is actually trying to get rid of the Time Warner, the the magazine and book division, but they don't want to get rid of DC. Interesting. So that's one of the things that's pushing is because they used to have a paperback division. Yeah, and they got rid of that. Okay, they got rid of Warner Books, but they still have magazines. But they do, but they do <coughs> want to maintain Mad. They do want to maintain DC because okay. they like all the properties. Because they want the IPs. Because right. absolutely, they're seeing that you know Marvel is just kicking butt. So uh, I, I don't know yet. It's, did you buy this this boom? I did thing? buy it today. Days I later, so you know it. what? This week they sent me a, a copy of it uh, via the magic email box. Ah, okay. So, uh, so you already? I have not. I didn't have okay. a chance because I went back to uh, went back to work. School started again. Yes. So I haven't had as much time. And you've got a PS3 in your house now too. I, well, yeah, I'm working my way through the Blu-rays, uh, which is a nice segue for the TV. But I'm not going to get there for a while. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about movies first. Uh, and games. Speaking of PS3, there I guess could be. But let's go with movies. We only have one little piece of movie rumor this week that is just like, could I just get my Green Lantern movie, please? Could we just 
freaking make the Green Lantern movie. I'm fine with Ryan Reynolds now. The, it's a motion comic now. Uh, apparently, because the Australian... See, that's so lame. You, I'm going to jump back on that again. You've got the Green Lantern animated movie. Why the hell would you want a motion comic in that? It's like, uh, it makes no sense. I don't know. Um, <laughs> which is true when you consider that, I don't know, it was 15 bucks for the Watchmen motion comic on yeah. a DVD. I don't, you know, you say, I'm just a person, maybe I'm a Luddite, maybe I'm old-fashioned. I don't see a purpose for motion comics. And that's saying that with Friends yeah. having made what I think is one of the best, at least one of the best efforts, uh, you know, if a motion comic is going to do more than what Catastrophic did, then it's a movie. I mean, that, that really, yeah. I, I don't see the difference there. And and I like Sparks. I like it. I'm just saying, but but we I have try, the book. We should try another time to break it down as to what what makes it a motion comic. Maybe we'll have a special. Yeah. Can we have a one we from the Brett Cave? Can we, we have? We can all think can, about can it. Can we yeah. sit around your kitchen table? Sure. Drink wine. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> back to Green Lantern. The strength of the Australian dollar. The economy is screwing up my Green Lantern movie. First, they've <laughs> delayed it. And now they're saying that because it's suddenly more expensive to film in Australia than it was when they first announced it, (laughs) they have to redo everything, and now they're deciding, well, maybe it's too expensive. What? Anyway. You've got to spend money to make money, fellas. Absolutely. People do not understand. As Dan DiDio pointed out at Comic-Con, people were running around that Comic-Con, wearing Green Lantern icon shirts, right. more so than they ever had before. He's finally breaking through into the major... Multiple types of rings. Into the major mainstream conscience, consciousness. And didn't, didn't Iron Make Man... Make the danged movie. Didn't yeah. Iron Man prove that, you know, the, the smaller know. characters it, can hit big? What it proved was, if you do it right, right. it pays off. If you screw it up, you get screwed. Right. This is the same company that's gone ahead and made, you know, of course, I realize that Jonah Hex has one thing now that it may not have had a year ago, which is Megan Fox. Megan Fox. It did have it, but, you know, that's the other movie rumor. I've got to debunk this. It's been going around today that Megan Fox has been cast as Catwoman in the new Christopher Nolan, Bat, the third Batman film. I want to say... I, I this is what I'm going to say. It was published in the Sun. I cannot say this enough to people. The London newspaper, if it appears in the Sun... It ain't so. Don't stare into the sun. They folks. just make up rumors left and right. The people. It's like calling the Inquirer a reliable source. Yeah. People, stop paying attention to the sun. Anyway. <laughs> stop staring at the, the sun. sun. It will Don't only blind you. The sun, folks. It will only blind you. Therefore, there is one potentially legitimate uh, third Batman film rumor, and it is just that. And it is not about script. It is not about plot or casting or anything. It is was announced. On a, it was leaked on any cool news today, or at least they believe they heard the leak. Is that Christopher Nolan is planning, is working on trying to get the technology together to film the entire thing in with the IMAX cameras. Okay. And I would find that a plausible rumor. One reason why he's not said what he's doing is because he's off making this Inception with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. And. That one of the reasons he's doing that is to wait for people to build enough equipment because apparently there's, there aren't enough working rigs for the IMAX cameras to f- do a major shoot. To, you can Have only you seen th- those rigs? No, I They not. are huge. Well, I would imagine so. I've seen things on IMAX, and that yeah. is huge. Yeah. So I would imagine it is. So there's just simply not enough equipment to do what he wants to well, do wasn't yet. Wasn't there the Comic-Con rumor where Gary Ullman basically said they were 
going to start rolling next year, or yeah. next summer? Or yeah, something? he so, uh, let slip at some interview. And so I'm sure that's true. But he's not rolling with Megan Fox. Oh, or he, no, you know, it's disgusting. Yeah. No. It, it just no, Mike, I mean, there's only one Catwoman. We know it's Halle Berry. Come you on. Know, you know, uh, uh, you know what, we're, what I'm going to say is because no one, called, no one saw Heath Ledger coming. Until it, when when Christopher Nolan got up and did a press conference and said, "I've cast Heath Ledger as the Joker," no one saw that one coming at right. all, and they didn't realize what how what it meant until they started seeing previews. Yeah, so, so Christopher who's Nolan, Christopher Nolan going to murder this year? Huh? Oh. No. Christopher Nolan's going to hold it close to the vest until he's ready. Yeah. And so, people, I can't stress it enough: do not believe any casting thing you hear until you've seen that Christopher Nolan actually stood up in front of a group of reporters What's and her said, name? "Ava Mendez." Ava Mendez was she up for Catwoman at one point? I don't know. In, in the rumors, but don't you think that that'd She's be a terrible actress? Is she? Yeah. yeah. But if you put her in tight leather and just let her breathe, yeah. um, uh, we already had that in the spirit. Oh yeah, I didn't see the spirit yet. Mm. Uh, Still have not seen the spirit. She's, she's pretty watchable in the spirit. She was watchable in Ghost Rider. She just was couldn't act. Yeah, um, you know. So uh, she was good in Hitch with Will Smith. Okay, I'm going to predict one of the Jonas Brothers as Robin. Let's just go right there. Awesome, Nick wow. Jonas as wow. Robin. Nick Jonas. Oh. Okay, so let's go. Let's start that. Nick Jonas is Robin. I like it. <laughs> You're building in the teen audience. The only thing that gets better is that if Robin sparkles in the sunlight. <sighs> Robin's a vampire. Can you imagine, though, in the future, like when we're old men? Because you know, inevitably, the franchise is going to get rebooted and rebooted. So we'll be like old men, and they'll be like, a grown up Nick Jonas is the new Batman with Miley Cyrus. I remember him when he was cute. Yeah. Before he got all those facial scars. Now he's all a serious actor now, so. It's coming. Just be ready. Prepare yourself. Yeah. You hate me. Why? (laughs) (laughs) I actually think Miley Cyrus is an okay actress. She was good in Bolt. Uh, So, you know, we'll see. Did you see the Hannah Montana movie? No, I did not. Fantastic. My daughter loved it. Uh, But let's talk about Batman because, of course... Yesterday, Batman. Arkham Asylum was released. So it tell did. me about anybody get it? Anybody get okay, it? so I, 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 have, I have only played the demo. I don't have I, a. I played the demo on the Xbox. Down. Did your demo? You played the demo on the PS3. On the PS3. Um, on my brother-in-law's. Okay, so did that start with Batman bringing the Joker into yes, the asylum? Yes, and I'm sure those demos were exa- okay. were identical. So I played that. You and I both played that now, and I just picked it mm-hmm. up today. I, I got mm-hmm. it at fries this afternoon on the way on the way here. Actually, oh well, good. Um, so. How much was it? It was forty nine ninety nine, which is now. There's a PC version for this as well, isn't there? I don't know. It may just just be an Xbox and PS three. I know there's no Wii. I know it's just for those two, uh, as far as the consoles go. There we go. We have this here. Games for Windows Live. It does uh, intimate that there is, and it has the old PlayStation logo. So maybe there's a PS two version. Maybe a PS two version, but PS twos are still hot selling. So oh my gosh, if there is a PS two version, I can get it. It, it won't nearly be as good. PS two is still out selling a PS three. I know, but uh, I, I want a PS three. You know, that's what I'm saying, honey. Listen, if you're listening to the podcast now, I'm pushing for the PS three. I am listening to the podcast. Uh, not you. Oh, unless sorry. you want to buy. Unless you want to buy, I will. I just you always call me honey, so I just want to share. I call you honey badger. Oh, um, so the things that. Uh, Having played the demo, the things that bought me into this were I love the taunts by the Joker when you die. Have you been taunted by Harley Quinn? I haven't yet. You died. need to be taunted by Harley Quinn. I haven't you need died to, in the right place. Yet. You need to just die so Harley Quinn can taunt you. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, it's yeah. worth dying for. Yeah. yeah, I did see the scene where she's talking to Batman and she's got the guy tied up in the chair. 
Yes. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I'm thinking about purging it this, purchasing it this week, and I'm very hesitant now because after I purchased the GI Joe game, sight unseen. No, I'm going to say we've played we've played a different a different we aspect a different, of it at Comic Con. At Comic Con, and then the intro scenes for this. I'm going to say this looks like it's got just the right amount of combat and toys and mixing in the Batman detective aspect to it. You actually go into a detective mode. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say combat, I think, was probably a little bit simplistic. A little light, but and, I understand and there are combos that you build up okay, later okay. on. Okay, okay. And I'm going to say if I if I were able to you know, beat Rick's score, which I was at Comic-Con, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say until we die, yes, no. I know. <laughs> that... Um, that it's probably somewhat simplistic for some people. However, yeah. because you throw in what I said to my brother-in-law as we were playing it, as we were playing the demo, was this is the first real Batman survival horror game because uh. you can because learning not to hide but learning to lurk and where to lurk and figure out how to inspire fear. It has kind of a solid snake feel in his opponents. Well. well, let me ask you this: Do you do you see much? replayability with it or do you think it's one of those where it'll give you a good few weeks of gameplay and then you just you're done with it or what do you think i don't know i've heard that the, i've heard that it's fairly deep like you get a you get a decent number of hours of play out of it but mm-hmm. um well and then i think that you do have a once you've beaten it like at many games there's a con there is a i think there's a pvp uh well, and, and if you have ps3 then you can also play from the joker's perspective wait a minute there's a pvp on the ps3 yes awesome yeah. Uh, and if that's so, I would, I you know, I, I think that would definitely be fun. What's um, a PvP? Player, player versus player. player. Oh, so that you, could you make bring it somebody fun. in and yeah. say, you know, you're so there's play like a game. like a Street Fighter mode or something. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a PvP standalone. I think there's uh, an Xbox. I think there's an online aspect to it, but I'm not oh. sure. Yeah, that could be fun. Um, and, and, and but what? I, and apparently, it was also the, the Mercury News discovered that there's a. There's a giveaway. Uh, there was a giveaway at Comic Con. There were ID cards for Arkham Asylum and an Arkham Asylum employee. So there's even an unlockable, like third storyline. Oh, really? Get out from the perspective of a guard who's been who's trying to survive it. Why didn't we get those cards? That's I don't know. Cool. Because we talked to all the right people. I know they just they didn't care. about Now us. on the heels of this, I want to ask. Maybe you guys, the Magic Mailbox sent me one this week. Maybe. Don't we have Marvel Ultimate Alliance two to look forward? We to? We do. And yeah. Brian Michael Bendis has been twittering about that all dang week because he apparently went to the studio yesterday and played it. That jerk. Um, that he's Bendis, and he's saying it's just amazing. And I and I have no doubt it's amazing because I loved Ultimate Alliance, but I love having both. I love living in a time yeah. when it's a believable game, uh, and to have a really good. But you meant you mentioned before the the thing about the Batman one is the whole idea of striking terror into the mm-hmm. hearts of the people because you come into there's one there's, did, there's that big chamber you come into right yes. and you can you go into tech, detective mode and you see. There's like four or five guys scattered around the room. So you have to think, I'm going to take this guy out because I can take him out when no one else can see me. Because yeah. so that kind of solid snake. Because uh, if you take him out and the others notice, you're then you're screwed. Then you're screwed. Yeah. Well, you, you can get away. You can get shot. And get but the great thing is, if you take them out, if you take them out and time it right, and they find the body later, they get very nervous and they start shooting at anything. And then they, and they're you know they become easier. But it's such a cool feeling, to, you know. And you've got the bat grappling. Just to start off, you got the bat grappling hook. You've got you've got your um, aimable batarang which actually works pretty well you've got uh, certainly better than any of the other batman games i've played is this all third person or first person or it's kind of third person okay yeah and yeah. you there's a jump down you can jump and glide with your cape you can jump and glide and strike kick 
uh, I'm sold. There. I'm sold already. Yeah, I can't wait. Did your play. demo? Did your demo end at the same place? Which was that the Joker takes out a big crate. Yes. <laughs> and my brother-in-law and both just screamed in agony because he uh, he opens his crate and this huge screwed up version of Killer Croc comes out and it's like so that's the big he's boss he's got like level. one thin leg and yeah. one thin arm and the other one's massive and, yeah. like and I'm like well, I'm going to take on Killer Croc and it goes buy this on August 25th and I was right. like no because I was having so much fun I was yeah. so absorbed in this game actually I was pretty happy at that point because I had Taking a couple of hits, <laughs> I was going in there not at full health. Uh, but so. you're, but you're, but you know, you know. Now yeah. we're going to get the game. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, so probably I probably won't be able to get around to it till Christmas time. But um, we'll see. But that's okay because this is what I need is like time when I have time off to save two days to I love you, my children. But Daddy's got to play Batman Arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's going to do his Kevin. Can't watch. I'm going to do my Kevin Conroy impersonation. You can't watch gonna... Luke because it'll give you nightmares. Megan. Um, sorry, I'll have to play that audio for you sometime. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Conroy at the press conference. Um, so <laughs> how can I resist? Uh, so that was Batman Arkham Asylum. We got you, speaking of Bendis, who's been in Hollywood this week, uh, anybody who's on his Twitter feed knows – or as one of his Facebook fan pages knows, he's been he went to the office of Thor, so he's been talking to the guys about because he's part of the Marvel Multimedia Brain Trust, the Illuminati, yeah, the Marvel Illuminati, Media Illuminati, yeah, boom. Uh, which I should speak by the way, DC officially does it because I say last week Brandon Malali. I'm hoping he's listening because. It was announced that they've revived Shazam. Oh my! And Jeff Johns is producing and writing that. And when the heck is that man sleeping? When? When is he? I mean, uh, yeah. He's Cocaine out- is a hell of a drink. <laughs> that's, that's all I can figure at this my point. God, I'm enjoying everything the man's doing. But I, he's I'm writing. Gonna, he's writing. He is Flash. living. He is living. He's fast. writing all the Green Lantern. The candle that burns at both ends. Oh, this just God. in: Jeff Johns has a twin brother. <laughs> Left Johns, uh, but um, yeah, man, he's burning oh so very bright. Yeah, he's a replicant, and his time is up. Okay. Uh, that's all I can figure. Anyway, he's he's writing it, but he's writing the story, and someone else will adapt it into a screenplay. But Shazam has been revived, and cool. so and then naturally, this is what happens: is they announced that Thursday morning after we did the podcast Wednesday night. So probably the most exciting news for me of the week yeah. always happens right after now, we finish. Had Brandon been associated with that? Uh, there was a lot of interest. The Rock, sorry, Dwayne Johnson was going to be Black Adam. It said he was going to be same right. director. Peter Siegel, the guy who directed Get Smart, still still on board to direct. And Brandon has not yet been associated. But the thing is, if you have Dwayne Johnson, he's big enough. You can probably balance and find a guy who looks like Captain Marvel. Because I think for the story to be interesting, you really got to get a good kid as Billy Batson. Okay. So I I would I'm still hoping that they would give that shot to a guy like Brandon. Who's got Not a great just a voice. guy who's got a great voice and looks like yeah. the Alex Ross paintings of Captain Marvel. Not, not, not a. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to Fanboy Planet, type in the search and find Brandon Mullally. Actually, you just search for Brandon Mullally, and probably the best interviews with him are actually the at one Brandon that Lon shot of uh, of us at Comic Con. Yep. Brandon and myself talking and and Lon directing. It's that was two years ago. right? Two years ago, one of my one of my happiest. Uh, um, Moments. Co-productions Comic-Con with, with Lon. No, a, a happy moment with you. I think that work oh, really turned out. Thanks, honey. You know, and huh. Badger. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to totally go Honey Badger. Were you going there. somewhere with Bendis? Yeah, you were going somewhere with Bendis. You told me that there was a Powers. <laughs> I just saw TV this show that there's a Powers TV show in the offing, and Bendis is uh, 
apparently going to write it and. And yeah, but along that was, with that, that was announced like a year ago, wasn't it? Like FX. But now it's starting. Mm-hmm. That's probably why it's one of the reasons production. he's in LA. And I can I can vouch that Bendis doesn't sleep. Um, he's like two, three hours a night because when I interviewed him years ago, it was um, call me after eleven p.m. because that's when I start my work day. Well, isn't uh, that when the kid went to sleep? Too? Yeah, I think when the kid goes and when she's older now. Uh, but but I like the write up I was reading because they were talking about so powers for people who don't know is about these police officers in a world where there are superheroes and they get involved in crimes that involve superheroes made of crimes and mm-hmm. yeah and, the made of crime basically you don't see a lot of superheroes in the books occasionally you see them fly by or something no mm-hmm. you see them I mean, you but they're usually them. on a crime scene but you don't see them like fighting evildoers or anything like that so they're gonna have the, they're, and they're talking about this right now as an aspect of the show that they will have, like, off in the distance or whatever, they'll have a superhero thing. And they're talking because it's such a s- small part of the show, they've really got to do that part right. They've got to make mm-hmm. that part glow. And Nowadays, that's not too hard with the effects they've got. No, I, but I think it's awesome to think that, that, they're going, that they would not turn it into, like, there's a superhero in frame, like, 90% of the time. Because no, the show, that book carries on the basis of it being a good cop book right but essentially it's just csi metropolis pretty much yeah. i mean nothing wrong with that yeah yeah and, and it's decided from alan moore's top 10 which was all superhero cops and superhero city right right and powers also stands unique for having i believe a mutated warren ellis so there was oh, an episode yeah. where warren ellis actually guested but along with this they're going to relaunch the powers book at issue one Again, I don't know if okay. I don't know if it's going to be retelling the original story. I imagine this is going did, to continue. How did Powers ever burn out? Did I don't just, know. I'm still reading through the trays myself. You, well, I'll tell you how Powers burned out. It's that um, it's that Bendis got busy writing every other book oh, for Marvel. Okay. Yeah. So Powers always ha- fallen by the wayside to that schedule because I don't blame him. Is it's it's apparently the least selling, and sometimes and. and I have to remind myself sometimes that just because I like a book, right, it doesn't mean everybody does. Well, it was hot or even for a while. The, or even the guy to the right of me does. Um, no, wasn't it like the hot book for it, a long time? Um, but it seemed like it. I don't know. I think it. I think in this store, um, the the staff liked it a lot. Well, it pushed it, a lot. And there's discriminating taste at elusive. Was that originally an image book? No, it was originally an Oni press. Book. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. and then uh, Marvel doing the trades, and then Marvel started Icon. Right, a uh, little imprint, creator own imprint. Is to icon? Yeah. icon is what oh. it's called. So to, um, yeah, image is not once doing they, the trade. Once trades. they brought Bendis, image over. might have done the earlier trades, but now Marvel yeah, is reprinting so. I them. I think all. I've always been upset because some of my earlier trade books do not have the same backing as the mm-hmm. later ones. Yeah, uh, and you know, we say Marvel picked it up because they wanted to make Bendis happy, and they wanted, and they gave him a good deal, and. Uh, one of their early issues, they did uh, at least online print a review, a you know a, bl- a blurb from Derek McCott, Fanboy Planet. So you know I'm grateful for that. The actual issue did not. Okay. When you got it at the store, so it was like, oh, the cover, that was awesome. No, but anyway, um, and I think I've been quoted in the letter column a couple times for Powers too, which is really weird. Wow. Because I don't write letters very often. But they don't cover those in the trade. N- no. They should. There should be a book of just Powers Letters columns because for a while, for a while, those were the funniest dang oh, okay. things ever. But um, I should Kirkman, say Kirkman does that a little bit. In, yeah, in yeah, he does. He's there. definitely got a real uh, a real dialogue with his with his readership. I should say, uh, speaking of superheroes on television, that I did just finish uh, going through the Smallville 
complete eighth season DVD. And um, what do you think? What I think is, that I still want to say, as an over, overall, season eight is the is the season for people that haven't liked Smallville. I'm sure there's still people that aren't going to like Smallville, but well, I, well, I in particular focused on watching the Legion of Superheroes episode again yeah. with the commentary with Jeff Johns on commentary, and I had picked up on some things watching it. I, I've probably seen that episode four or five times because yeah. I'm such a stupid Legion fan, and. Um, but Jeff Johns really brings home the things that I was already picking up on is that he uses Legion to comment on those things that people don't like about Smallville. And I really think this is this has been the year that the new showrunners had to deal with what many fans have thought of were the mistakes that the show had made before. And you're kind of stuck with them. So they're making the best of what they can and then trying to guide things back in. Right. To what people want. Well, and this was this was a season that really embraced it being a superhero show. Absolutely. And I, now, now you just had a fairly immersive experience with this, then, right? You um, watched, watched them over. I watched a few episodes, and I watched uh, the extras. Okay. And um, so I still haven't watched the end because I want to save the end for for a chance when my wife and I could sit down and watch it together. So I would typically typically bank two or three episodes and watch them at the same mm-hmm. time. And I want to check with you did you get a little tired of the same street i do um but i understand that you know i i'm starting you really find a way to shoot it from a different angle or something something. um i was grateful for this year finally hopefully finally disposing of the lana lang subplot because i was just so tired of that had you seen that episode before yes yes and i know i remember you saying that you were very moved by it and i was more like finally get up thank you (laughs) Be gone. I didn't know love it. Moved, but I thought it was. I thought it was a smart way to dispose. Of but the when you had Legion, yeah, it was. That was true. But when you had, you know, it, but it followed after the Legion Superheroes episode, which I thought was so well done. Yeah, and was I never thought in my lifetime. And it's funny because it's like I was listening to Jeff Johns' commentary. It's almost like I was tapping into Jeff Johns' head because he's saying things like. Whoever thought they'd get to see the Legion live action? Who will ever get to see them again? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, and my favorite little anecdote from that is he's saying, like, you know, they're arguing over, well, what would you do about the Legion flight rings? I mean, what does that look like? And, blah, blah, blah. and Jeff Johns was apparently in the production meeting and said, uh, I have one. <laughs> and so they went and they bought the DC. The DC uh, replica. The, the, the DC, DC replica. Yeah. And just used them. Like, yeah, I mean, well, might as well make them. Make them. But I really think it's a great, because I think that Doomsday was handled so much better than the comics ever did. If you hate Doomsday as a character, you will actually feel something for the character by watching the Smallville version. Although I was, eh, draw, drew it a little bit out too far. But you know, everything, yeah. that, but that's the CW way. Yeah, that I think, was definitely I think, CW. I think the thing is, what I really am starting to appreciate in, the, in, in this season is, not starting to appreciate, but I've always understood that there were things that the CW's network identity was always going to limit what I wanted to see uh-huh. but to see and hear in commentary that these showrunners uh, Darren Swimmer and uh, I think Todd Slavkin's one Kelly Souter that they are uh, I felt like after this they're on my side yeah. and they are trying to give fans the show fans want to see and they're pushing at the limits like they say right. you know like uh, they'll fit they'll fit in things but there's only so much they can do. But they're but they're pushing it farther than any other than the other producers had. Like I said Doomsday was great. Yeah, Green Arrow continues to be. I just I just love their characterization of Green Arrow. And season nine starting yeah, up. It they're works. gonna they're gonna not only are they gonna have Justice Society, they're gonna have Roulette, the character that's the Justice Society enemy. Although I don't think they're in the same episode. You're gonna get Zan and Jaina. 
that one I'm not so keen on, but only because I just think putting Zan and Chaney in is a weird idea. But you're going to get Marvin and Wendy. I'm okay with that. Okay. And uh, just give me a wonder dog. I am a sucker for a wonder dog, let me tell you. Uh, so I think I, they got him at their wiener. But the thing I've got to ask you, because you have a lot more experience watching things on the high def with the Blu-ray or and, and the HD before. Okay. That's why with, the Blu-ray. with the, the Blu-ray. With the Blu-ray. I, that's why. I with, well, I was giving you the article because you had both formats. Yes. And that's where I was going at. I had the you know, HD too. DVD and Blu-ray. And Blu-ray. Yes. Live action so far on high def is not really impressing me that much. Animation? Absolutely. I really? Uh, when I watched the Pinocchio Blu-ray DVD, I was blown away. Okay. Now, you have to realize there are multiple types of animation. Uh, that we, well, but I don't want to get distracted by animation. I want to be talking about, about, right. about television, live action television. Oh, no, Watching this so much of a difference. Is I'm not... It is I say it was a little sharper, a little clearer, but uh-huh. but it's hard for me to say. Yeah, you got to go ahead and buy this on on Blu-ray. I got it on Blu-ray. Does it say it's 720p or it's 1080? 1080. It's 1080. Okay. Now there is always, but I think is there a limitation on episodic television in the way they're filming it because they have to make it. There's no limitation on television. There there are only limitations in how much time they spend on it and whether and whether or not it's shot right. I mean. Lit well. Okay, you know. so I'm not done with my evaluation because I still have to watch. I have the the 300 experience on yeah, Blu-ray to watch. You're gonna you, which was shot digitally. Away by. Which was shot digitally. You're gonna get blown away by. I also have, and I realized I had one other package, which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Halfway Turtles movie collection. You're gonna say, why did you even bother asking Rick that question? Okay. Okay. So the same time next week, there you go. You have a question for me, which is, why did I even bother asking you that question? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll see, and I'll go. Well, I gotta catch a flight in the morning. I don't know. Um, another TV series that kind of snuck under the radar for I think most of us this summer on BBC America was this Being Human. This is the part where Lon falls asleep because we mentioned British television. <laughs> it's like I, I know this. Yeah, but there's werewolf sex in it. Yeah, there is werewolf sex. Been there, done that. Vampire sex. But no ghost sex yet. No ghost sex. Unfortunately. Almost. Almost, yeah. Almost a ghost rape. Almost. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so it sounds like the setup of a joke. So a vampire, a werewolf, and a ghost are walk living into in, a bar. Are living in an apartment. They do walk into a bar occasionally. Uh, so it's six episodes so far. There's going to be a series two, as the British would prefer to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they renewed this. It is not, I think the last episode is going to be shown Saturday night. So by the time this goes up, last night. Uh, we're stuck in a time loop. Um, anyway, uh, which means there's going to be a DVD collection soon because mm-hmm. uh, DVD's been released in, in England already. And I st- I'm, I'm five episodes in, and I can't decide if I'm really digging it or <laughs> yeah. not. You know, you know. After three episodes, I was just going, I think I'm going to drop this. And then, you know, Tiva was still programmed to record it, so I started watching it, and I go, you know, I mean, I, don't get I us wrong. It's in. it's not as bad as Flash Gordon because Lord knows nothing could it's be. It's not. It's not. It's not bad. Um, I'm a little tired of the characters. We're only five. I'm only. Five episodes in. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, you're four episodes. I'm four in. episodes in. I'm tired of the stand of the same whininess that the characters. The have. werewolf is very whiny. The werewolf is whiny, and the ghost is whiny. And they sort of change this because the fifth episode changes up, but actually has a cliffhanger ending. Okay. And so I'm thinking. I'm thinking that what's going to happen at the end of episode six is the game will be changed for series two, and. 
the attitudes of them well, will it looks be different. Like I've already I've already looked ahead at the next episode, or maybe it's the episode that you've already seen, the last episode. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks like there's a game changing thing that's happening. There. Yes, okay. yes, that they've all been leading to. So um, maybe I mean the I it's, I'm I'm right there with you though. It's kind of like there there aren't a lot of special effects. I think we've seen the werewolf change once, twice because there was. Did an we episode. see it the second time? No, but we saw both werewolves. So I think uh, we saw more than one werewolf. So we only saw the morphing once, the incredibly yeah. painful, and we did get a terrific explanation as to why it's so painful for him to do. Yeah, that. see, this is the thing. Sometimes the show is really well written. written. Yeah, and then sometimes it's just like, oh, please. Yeah. And and it, and it is a comedy drama. Yeah. And and when the comedy's just a little too over the top for what it's and doing, the drama is damn tragic. Yes. Um. To, and, to, and to put you say comedy drama, you don't usually go. And it's so bipolar, you're not going to know now, which way. Now here's you're the turn. thing I'm missing, and you can tell you tell me because you clearly picked it up on BBC America. I should have watched it on demand. I'm okay. Uh, so uh, it's all above board the way I'm watching it. But what I'm missing is apparently there was a pilot episode that had a different v- actor playing the vampire I did not and see a that. different actor. Okay, so BBC America did not show that. They may have. I just I. Was, but I, I watched the first episode and I went. I feel like I missed something mm-hmm. because you kind of go in and this is the status quo. And apparently the pilot sets up the status quo. Okay. And the writer yeah, kind of felt the same way. Producer I, has I just said, felt, oh, that's kind canon. of bold. They just start, they hit the ground running. Yeah, These I, guys I was, are already I was, I was fine with the hit the ground running. And the fact that she's already dead and we don't see, we don't really see mm-hmm. her die. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of important too. Yeah. So um, I didn't have as much of a problem with that. So I'm giving a waggling hand review in a, in a scale of Flash Gordon to Battlestar Galactica. Where are you going to place this on the scale? That's quite a scale. Um, I know, it's kind of like a one to a hundred. That's how bad Flash Gordon was on God. sci-fi. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I'd, I'd say that it's probably in the good 65 to 70 percentile. I mean, it's it's getting a good solid C. Yeah. For, and for its genre, for its genre which yeah. is werewolf and, and werewolf and vampire stories on TV today, um, well, it's probably, you know, it's and probably I think, in the, and I think, it's probably the B plus range. And there. I think probably part of it is that I've been sitting down and watching it back to back with the same with, with that week's Twilight, True Blood, uh, True Blood, yeah, with True Blood, which is just and True Blood is a full grade above this. Yeah, True Blood is just awesome. Yeah. I'm enjoying, you know, the comedy in True Blood seems to come right naturally out of the character. There's a couple things in this week's episode where I found myself laughing out loud, but it wasn't like it was supposed to be. Like it wasn't slapstick or goofy, hilarious. It was just like that is so that character. And I'll give I, you. I'll give, uh, I'll give you this. They are. We are Californians. And we are both of those. Envi- Sorry for both, the rest. Both of, you, of those we, environments are alien to us. Both the yes. True Blood environment of where are they? They're in Louisiana, Louisiana. and then the British uh, burb wherever they are. Bristol. They're, they're in Bristol. Okay, so. I'm going to go to the episode I just watched, was, which was the one where the neighborhood turns against them. Not, yes. And, and without spoiling it, not because they're vampires and werewolves. Yeah. Um, and watching the way that neighborhood worked, which I've seen similarly in Doctor Who episodes and stuff, it's and it, still and very alien to me. It doesn't work that way for California. Or and, it doesn't work that way for the neighborhoods we are in in California. Right. And the same thing, and the same thing for... True Blood. I I don't live in that environment either. And, and I gotta say, what I'm I still it 
week after week, True Blood, I've said it before, it, it, I want, I'm starting to watch with a new appreciation of it's not that people are stupid on that show. It's that it is a culture whose understanding doesn't prize knowledge. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Book they, learning. They are truly living simpler lives. It's go down and relax. Yeah. But the thing is, when dealing with the supernatural, what the heck would they know? And they keep making decisions that seem really stupid to us because, well, don't you know what that is? Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't you know <laughs> right, what you should right. do? And they, and they don't do it because, of course, they wouldn't know that. Yeah. It's it's like that saying you know it's like saying about about liking powers you know it's like I I it's not that I'm in an elite group let's say I'm I'm in a I'm just in a small group of people that appreciate a certain what type I, of reading or a certain type you know and what I might because I, I don't want to be arrogant about I'd it I'd like to hear I from feel the somebody, truth is realistic I'd like to hear from some American viewer who has watched let's say EastEnders for years and years and years right mm-hmm. so they're already fairly comfortable with that that environment already and then hear what they think of well if there's here. anybody anybody in Bristol listening to this podcast now are. write in at editor at fanboyplanet.com and explain it to us um, and, and if be, Bristol Palin is listening <laughs> write in oh good lord at your editor at Lon Lopez uh, yeah, date Lon Lopez at date Lon Lopez. Yeah, you know, I don't, yeah. The funny thing about True Blood is, is being set in Louisiana is I I just auditioned for Dead Man Walking, which is wow. set in Louisiana, and you've never. The only time I've heard more bad impersonations of Bill Compton was in a car in San Diego with Lon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all one word. Right? Sucky. And, and it's just like, dang it, it's a shame that no line in this play begins with sucky. <laughs> because everybody's doing their, <laughs> doing their Bill Compton impersonation. So, um, yeah, Louisiana. So, uh, and speaking, we're not speaking of neighborhoods in, in California, in San Jose, I'm safe at Elusive Comics and Games. Oh, no. Look, somebody at the door. What? No! <laughs> I'm in Santa Clara, where it's downtown San Jose right now. There's, uh, even as we speak, there are zombies Walking shuffling around. Um, and it's not because they're drunk and the bar's let out at 2 a.m. No. I should say it's the slave labor graphic. I, I did this earlier today. I was, I was explaining to a student, and I said exactly the same thing. Slave labor graphics. <laughs> uh, slave labor graphics, uh, which has a, a museum in a, a museum storefront in downtown San Jose. No, uh, or a gallery. Magazine publisher known for milk and cheese. Uh, uh, Johnny milk and the cheese, Homicidal Maniac. Uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Uh, Griffin. The Griffin, which there are four or five copies right here. You can pick it up, which wow. is a great series because the only superhero series set in San Jose, in San California. Jose, yeah. Uh, and uh, Mick Gray, a uh, friend of the show, was an inker on uh, some of the uh, some of the issues of the Griffin. Um, anyway, uh, and they have a gallery. And next week they are uh, on September fourth. They will they will be launching uh, zombie art, uh, an exhibit of, of zombie paintings and cartooning, dovetailing with the downtown San Jose doing uh, movies in the park, free movies shown in a park. And tonight is ending the summer season with. Shaun of the Dead. Excellent. So they tied together by slave labor offering offering to make up anybody who wanted to be as zombies. And people are clearly doing it themselves. We already had some people. Spotted there some were people here in, the in the store this evening that were headed down. They were headed down there. So, so they were going to gather, make people up, and then gather and just try to convince them to wait to join and you just walk down, it. walk down to the park where they're showing Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, we're headed down there after this, right? You are. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. 
I'll go if I can bring my baseball bat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I got out of there before because uh, I worked. I work only a block away from slave labor, and I, uh, I, I got out of there as fast as I could. I wish I'd brought my good camera. Yeah, I, I, and I thought about walking over there and doing and doing sort, but I was I was busy actually. First chance I had to actually update the site today, so uh. I was like, yeah, I could get, I could get to do another interview that I won't get to until you know three weeks from now, or I could just come here and be safe where it's well lit. And the walls are white, and everyone looks alive except for Lon, because Lon just came in from. Ah, oh, he's turned. He's turned. Oh. Anyway, so uh, we'll- wait, did we have this conversation on air, off air about how I kind of kind of screwed up the zombie led zombie myth? You screwed up the zombie myth. I don't know. We were having a conversation. Where how did you screw up the zombie? Because well, you know how they zombie zombies are known mostly for going brains. They want to eat right. brains. You know. Right. Didn't we have the discussion at dinner last that week? Right. Zombies don't have the power to actually crush a skull. I thought that was to on, actually did we get do that on, in the brains. I think it was a dinner. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I certainly appreciate that you tried to reassure me that uh, so even if the dead could walk the earth, but you have that soft spot in your skull, don't uh, you? Well, I mean, if they do push you down and your head does crack open, then I guess I could get your sweet, yeah. sweet brains. But yeah, and mine are sweet. Believe me. Mm-hmm. Well, they've been marinated with Zorlac juice. Mine would be delicious. Wow. Uh, you know, but it's but again, that's only some zombies. And it's funny how that that kind of that trope went because there was Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. They just are flesh eaters. I eat your flesh. Any of any yeah. of Romero's are just flesh eaters. Then it was the the comedy Return of the Living Dead that decided that decided that they want brains and actually allowed them to articulate on a more regular basis. I guess they start because we're starting to speak in Day of the Dead, but. Um, and it's funny that that's the one that everybody else picked up on. Then it's just brains, brains. Right. So, which is I, also I've, features highly in Zombie Haiku. Well, that's really nice to know. You haven't read that book? No, you've you've and every time you've mentioned it, you've looked at me and said you haven't read that book, and you say you're going to loan it to me someday. And if I can find it, yeah, I know. Shang Chi stole it, didn't he? Yeah, I'm going to blame Shang Chi. Happy late birthday, Shang Chi. Hey, yeah. How old is Shang Chi now? Twenty. 20. Good times. Good times. Good times. Again, he got I, an awesome present. Did I tell you this already? What did he get? Okay, this uh, he got. It's basically an umbrella, right? So, and it's a, <laughs> no, no, because the kid don't have the sense Let to him out of the rain. Let him finish. <laughs> it's a, so it's an umbrella with a with a case that is a strap, so you can wear it across chest with the handle coming out. Now, the handle's the key thing because the handle is the handle of a samurai sword. Ah, that's so, pretty cool. So as you walk around, you're walking around with a samurai sword. So you don't mind that you will never have grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where's your sword? <laughs> Geek. <laughs> oh, my God. No, it does sound cool. The sad thing is I say, now that I have reproduced, yeah, I'd like that sword. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... The ladies on the college campuses, though. Right? Well, you know what? I, Can I get under your umbrella? We have an advertiser exactly. that's been showing up on the Google ads a lot, and I'd say the geek to geek geek to geek dating service. Uh, it, it, it's a fraud. Is it a fraud? Have you gone be. there? No, but it, I see the ads. It's got to be. You know, so I, I'm curious. Uh, the female, female I mean, Greek geeks all have Russian accents. I'm curious what the success rate of this company is. So if we could get a single member of the podcast to perhaps sign up for Geek to Geek. If somebody's going to give me some Geek to Geek money, sure. People, would you please? If a, you give a PayPal donation yeah, right now, this is an experiment. I will experiment and sign up for Geek to Geek. This is an experiment. Online dating. 
Uh, anyway, or perhaps sign that up for would be an interesting little experiment, there you and go. then we would chronicle it every week. You'd video, so you'd be it. making a good investment, people, if you want. You know? I think so. Maybe we should contact Geek to Geek and see if they see want if we can get a coverage. free membership. Yeah, there you and go. Then... So, if you've got questions, comments, compliments, criticisms, if you're Rick Bretschneider, if you'd like to learn how to edit a podcast, <laughs> and you're Rick Bretschneider, angry with your editor in chief, please write. <laughs> To editor at fanboyplanet.com, and I will forward all angry emails to Lon Lopez. Mm-hmm. This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. This is Lon Lopez. Uh, be wearing of zombies. Mm-hmm. Brains. Oh, this is Rick Bretzner. They got Rick. Yeah, I knew it. All right, we're reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good. Brains. And now Lon has been edited out. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Oh, it isn't? No, he's in the ongoing series. Ah. This is the one shot that, this is the last of the red circles. There's four one-shots that J. Michael Straczynski has written okay. to establish the Red Circle universe. Is it a separate universe? No, but he's reestablishing the characters. Are they in New York? Yes. Okay, so they're introducing New York. They're in the real... No, they're not the first to be in New York. Okay. Who else is in New York? Um, in D.C.? Almost anybody that's come to... Uh, anybody they bought uh, didn't already have. And it's been established because when they've been in things like... Oh, because Wonder Woman was in New York for a while because she was the U.N. The Teen Titans were in New York. The Teen Titans have always been based since the Marv Wolfman. Since okay. the new Teen Titans, the Teen the Titans, Teen Titans have Tower been based is in off in the Bay or somewhere? Titans Tower was, in the, was off Manhattan. Okay. And it's now in the San Francisco Bay. Right. So they've always been real, real world cities. That's why Buschek had to say uh, in the JLA Avengers crossover that the DC Earth was bigger, literally, because you'd have you had these huge, <laughs> huge cities that were basically next to each other. So, yeah, it's like, well, somebody once told me that back in the day, the metropolis was supposed to be New Jersey or something. The metropolis is Toronto. 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 Yeah. Canada? They're both supposed to be New York City, but both Metropolis and Gotham, that's just because they said that Toronto is a big and cleaner city, or at least was, than Gotham City. So they kind so of, it has to be Canadian. So, uh, yes. So a lot of, it was still the United States, but they were basing a lot of architecture in the 70s and 80s on, on Toronto landmarks. So, I don't know. I've never been to Toronto, so I can't say. I haven't either. That's all right. Fox Atomic, which was what Fox was trying to create, like their little genre arm of releasing. I think that at Comic-Con, it'll be a year you didn't come, uh, obviously. Uh, It's really easy to keep track of the ones that I did. uh, That you did? Yeah, (laughs) the one. Um, Although there was a year that I confused your conversations with Dave Ackond to be conversations I had with you. Yeah, that was lots of fun for me. I I, I loved that one, especially the great build-up. That wasn't me. You you waited until I was was completely done. over over again, too. (laughs) 
because I kept imagining you. You're like you're like Tyler Durden to me. Yeah. Um, especially with the dilated eyes. I don't know anything about that, so you're going to be talking about the be guiding that one? That's great. Uh, that's all I really know. <laughs> but it's Bendis writing. That that phrase, that phrasing, is it all, you know, Bendis Powers TV show relaunch? That's yeah. all we're going to say? This is, like, this is going to be like Morse code podcast. <laughs> Rick's five-word preview. Zombie scary downtown Derek. <laughs> were you down there? Did you see any of it or no? Uh, the screaming had started when I got left. <laughs> The screaming. There were a bunch of like Bellerman guys that were running outside our our. our um, they weren't in makeup either. They were just going Aah! like they were, had been gotten by them. Uh, but I don't think it was really supposed to start till six. Right. This but, is the, but the but slave labor was starting makeup at four. Uh, so twenty so first century version of a panty raid for Bellerman guys. Yeah, I couldn't convince my students to save themselves and say no. It's real. It's real. It's happening today. Mm. Uh, I'm just curious if they got a good crowd. I'm hoping it'll be on the news tonight or something. I don't know. Well, I, I'm waiting. For, I'm waiting for the homeless guy to go nuts with a machete and take yeah. you down. What's what's ah? Okay, let's hear. Now we're live. Let's hear Lon. He's on four. Hi. Okay, you're perfect. Are you drunk? Exhausted. I haven't Excellent. slept really. For Either way, you're vulnerable. Probably. Yeah, is that going to make for a disturbing outtake? Uh, usually does. What? What? You ready? You got something? Uh, uh, let's just wing it. Okay. One issue only. Two and boys enter. <laughs> One, One boy, boy leaves. leaves a man. Uh, so, I, oh, that was just worse than I thought it was going to be when it came out. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, because if you're telling me that what we're doing doesn't matter, then the entire internet is about to disappear. I think that putting a blonde on top of Dan DiDio is a fine idea. <laughs> uh, isn't that how we got in all this <laughs> trouble? <laughs> in the fr- oh. yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> the only thing that gets better is that it's Robin sparkles in the sunlight. <laughs> Robin's a vampire. Uh, did you see on io9 that somebody developed a twilight vibrator that sparkles? Oh, God. Can we really? edit yeah. this out? <laughs> So you mean a Scholastic books is carrying a aid. Scholastic is selling it. No, um, no. Ow, aneurysm. <laughs> you make me hurt. My moral code is actually... <laughs> You're supposed to keep me on the straight and narrow. I am. Miley Cyrus as Catwoman. Outtake at 40 minutes. Awesome. Can you imagine them in the future, like, when we're old men? <laughs> Are you ready? We're ready. Listen up, fanboys! This is the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And now Lana's been edited out.